Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Welcome, everybody, In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Middle of the week, beautiful day, headed to better temperatures. And that's even if you aren't traveling with the basketball team on the way to Tallahassee, where it figures to be in the 60s this weekend for a 2 o'clock game on Saturday. It was nice in Charlottesville yesterday, sort of like this. Maybe not quite as sunny and uh, beautiful in downtown central New York today. Love to uh, chat with you about Orange basketball. Certainly people are fired up. Their attitudes maybe not as lovely as uh, the weather, this little reprieve that we're getting from the uh, snow and the freezing rain and all of that good stuff. You can join us by phone at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44 if you'd like to uh, chime in on the program. We hope you will. We're going to get into some of the interactivity from Twitter last night. You can always hit me up on Twitter at uh, MattPark1. And there was a lot of feedback on the game uh, last night. Let me just say this quickly. We'll get into the review of the game and Coach Beheim's uh, post-game comments, etc. If you woke up today and you're more upset about Syracuse basketball than you were yesterday morning or the time before, you're probably your emotions are maybe a little bit misguided. If you want to be upset, be upset that Syracuse lost a game that it probably should have won at Wake Forest. Be upset that when Notre Dame came in without its two best players, Syracuse did not win that game. Uh, tied it late, and then gave up the uh, last possession of regulation, which uh, wound up uh, being taken advantage of by Notre Dame to win a uh, 51-49 mud fight. Don't be terribly upset that Syracuse went on the road to the number three team in the country, the best man-to-man defensive team in the country, who hasn't lost at home this year, whose only loss is to West Virginia on the road, and lost to UVA in a game where Virginia hit nine three-pointers. Virginia, by the way, if you want to look at anything to take out of that, Syracuse has had the strength of rebounding this year. They got outboarded by Wake and Notre Dame, which was really concerning given that if this is supposed to be the strength, how did it go away against those two teams who are not the size of Florida State or the athleticism and the great players of Duke, et cetera? They did out-rebound Virginia last night. Virginia played small for a good part of the game for various reasons. And they held Virginia to a season low in field goal percentage. Syracuse right there, uh, while Virginia's, I think, second in the country in field goal percentage defense, Syracuse is right there. Uh, the Orange are as good as you need to be defensively. They're not losing games because of the defense. They're in position to win games because of what the uh, defense is able to do. They're losing games because of the offense, and we're going to get to that in a bit. Last night, Virginia shot less than 38% for the first time this year. They went 9 of 27 from three-point range. That's what's won won them the game, the stretch in the second half. Kyle Guy had five three-pointers, tied Jerome three. And there was a period, I think it was, I want to say four threes in three minutes, something like that, that uh, was the the death blow to Syracuse. That's the end of the story. 
Virginia also had double the free throw attempts of Syracuse last night. Speaks a little bit to aggressiveness. Last night was a bit of a squirrely whistle. I'm the last person to get on the officials and to whine about that. I think when fans do get into the officiating, it comes off more than anything else as whining. Uh, last night was a hard game to officiate, as they probably all are, where Virginia is involved, where Pittsburgh in its heyday, Louisville, Georgetown for years did it. Some of these teams play with the philosophy of, look, we're going to get up into you. They can't call every foul. We can't foul out every player. And the hard part about officiating last night's game, and we made note that uh, a couple of the officials were had some notable uh, recent stories attached to them. What wasn't called at all at some parts of the game is then, you know, bad breath was called a foul some stretches as well. You know, they're, the slightest push, the slightest nudge uh, was at some point called a foul and then much more significant com- uh, contact not called a foul. I think that's what, more than anything else, gets people upset. Quickly on that, we'll put it to bed. I don't want to spend the, the show on officiating. Ted Valentine worked the game last night. Now, Valentine last weekend worked the North Carolina-Florida State game. He's known by fans as TV Teddy. He's uh, very much an attention seeker, has been at it a a long time. That doesn't necessarily make you a bad official. It might make you uh, not be the guy that fans want to see at a game, or it might make you an instigator or uh, somebody that's tough to watch. It doesn't mean you're getting the calls wrong. Seth Greenberg, who we've had on this show a couple of times, went to Twitter this week to really defend Valentine as, you know what, yeah, antics are not good. The guy gets the calls right. When I'm a coach in a game, especially a visiting coach, that's when it really matters. And you see who are the officials is all the coaches. They all want to know. Plus they see them walk out on the floor. Who are the officials that indicates what type of game you're going to have potentially what type of rapport, obviously you're going to have uh, with the officials over the course of the game. A lot of officials like to see Ted Valentine. We'll let coach Bayheim speak for himself, but I know a lot of coaches, for instance, there's a, a fan Fans would get a rise out of this one when I mentioned Jim Burr. Well, Coach Bayheim, I think he's, I'm sure he said this on the air, so this is not telling tales out of school. He would say, Hey, when Jim Burr walked out, I felt pretty good about the game. I felt like we were not going to get hosed. I felt like if we were on the road and Jim Burr was the official, we at least were going to be given fair treatment. That doesn't mean every call is right or whatever, but he's in charge of the game, he's in control. He's not going to hose the road team, which is sort of the human nature of officiating. So I think that's what some people would speak up to in defense of Ted Valentine. I'm fine with that. Coaches know better than I do tenfold. I thought last night there were a couple of funky whistles for sure. Doug Sermons didn't seem to stick out at all last night, which is uh, probably understandable given the last time he worked a Syracuse game, he, from out of position 40 feet away, rushed in to make a call that turned out to be inaccurate uh, and really nearly cost Syracuse at the end of the Gonzaga game in uh, the spring of 2016. They obviously were able to pull that game out and then beat Virginia uh, with the big comeback on Easter Sunday in the following game and got to the 2016 Final Four. But when you look at free throws being double in favor of Virginia last night, that had a lot to do 
with the outcome of the game. Both teams made their free throws. Syracuse was 9 of 11. Virginia 19 of 22. Virginia had three three-pointers. Syracuse made more field goals in the game. Uh, just did not have enough offensive punch. We're going to spend uh, the uh, second segment of the show getting into that and into uh, the fans' reaction to it. Let's go to Coach's comments from last night. First, his opening address, where it, again, has been a bit of a familiar refrain, just not enough of punch on the offensive end. Obviously, Virginia is a tremendous defensive team, but I thought we got into some opportunities where we had some pretty good looks at the basket. But you know, in the second half, uh, it, we just went about 0 for 10, 0 for 9 from the three-point line to start the second half. And you know, we made some of those in the first half, and that kept us in the game. But they're a very good team and a very good defensive team. And uh, you know, those two guards are always a threat to shoot and, and can score. So. But offensively, we've got to find a way to be a little bit better. Talking about uh, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, two uh, sophomore guards for Virginia who led the way. Virginia does have more balance. We're going to get into this idea of you know Syracuse's lack of depth and should the bench play more and all of that. Uh, where the Orange are a little different on the offensive end is they have these three very good players that are going to play every minute that are contributing something in the neighborhood of 72% of uh, the scoring on the season, Syracuse does not move the ball in the same way. I don't know that the Orange are egregiously bad at it, but to look at what Virginia did, Virginia whips the ball around. They move the zone. It goes in and out. Uh, The ball is moved with a purpose. Syracuse has three players that kind of weave around and look for driving opportunities, and right now that's the offense. And they're not any of them gifted shooters. They're capable shooters. Uh, Frank Howard, should be commended, has really improved his shooting. Now uh, 33 three-pointers on the season for Howard, which is getting close to double his uh, number of three-pointers from a year ago. But uh, that's where the Orange are a, a bit limited. The, this idea of three-on-five, you can't really throw it into the big people. Matthew Moyer... Marek Dolajai are not offensive threats at the four position. Pascal Chukwu, they're essentially passing it to him when they get penetration halfway into the lane and throw it up on the rim. That's taking a shot. Maybe it goes in. If it doesn't, Chukwu's got to be in position to board it, and last night he did. Ten offensive rebounds, a couple of putbacks. He had nine points, 16 boards. Uh, You can't expect or ask anything more from him, but that's where Syracuse is right now. And I think among the things you need to see, the development of the shot of O'Shea Brissett to become another threat there. Battle and Howard will take and make their share. And any other offensive option uh, certainly would be welcome to this point. It's just it's hard to imagine where it's going to come from or that it's going to come off the bench. We'll get into your fan input and reaction on that in just a moment. The Orange did kind of uh, scatter the floor a little bit Late in the game with the press, it's one of those things that's a bit of a tease because it does sort of work. It's the third time in a row uh, where it's worked against Virginia. Just sort of sprinkled in last night. They didn't make enough baskets really to put it on uh, when they wanted to. And at the end, made some gains. Virginia, not a a turnover-prone team, turned it over seven times in total last night. Looked like there may have been one more there along the sideline. This is while Tyus Battle, he had fouled out 
with a minute and a half or so to go in the game. So uh, this is the press kind of in the category of a tease, a little too little too late. We can press for little bits. You know, we're playing six guys. It's hard to press a lot. And generally, they're good against pressure the first time they get a dunk. But, you know, at the end, you're going to try to press. If we press the whole game, they'd beat us by 32 points. But pressure can work in short situations with our team. Um, we practice it a lot. We use it when we need to. But we thought we could keep the game a little more in touch tonight and uh, use it in the last five or six minutes. But we, we weren't in touch. That was the problem. But they're good against pressure. They, anybody can make a mistake against pressure. And Virginia has the two sophomore guards uh, taking over for London Parentis, who really had been Syracuse's victim the last couple of years, a four-year starting point guard, and the Orange uh, famously the last uh, two games in that uh, Easter Sunday game in 2016, uh, turned over Parentis a couple of times. And last year, Parentis didn't have a ton of turnovers, but the Orange uh, did come back to uh, win at the Carrier Dome in what was uh, then Coach Beheim's 1,000th victory. If you'd like to join us on the phone, you can at 315-437-7644-4ESPN44. Jake in Syracuse is on the line. Hello, Jake. Hey, Matt Park. Good to talk to you, man. Love, love your voice. You're great. I appreciate great. it, Jake. Good job. Thanks for the call. Um, I'm wondering if you know if we could trade the washing machine to the Denver Nuggets to get Tyler <laughs> Lydon back, or at least maybe we could get Ed Monix because he punches in bunches. He could hit some threes. Uh, semi-pro reference there. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. <laughs> uh, but my point is um, there's no free agent out there this team's going to sign to shoot threes. And uh, uh, losing Thorpe, it, it, him walking away from this team was just absolutely devastating. And... <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Okay, you bet. I don't know if we lost you there or what, but you're absolutely right. And we're going to get into some of the reasons for why the Orange have perceived and real shortcomings, but you've hit on a couple that people are missing. First of all, how good would Torian Thompson look starting for this team? Pretty darn good. The only hesitation you have with Thompson is he's a one-dimensional player. He is not a good offensive player. He is a really good to great offensive player. Coach Beheim last year said that he was further along than John Wallace in terms of his polish as an offensive big man. I mean, 6'9", 6'10", could step out and shoot it, could really get after it. Defense was not a thing for Torian Thompson, so that was an issue, obviously, with him. And if Thompson was playing major minutes for this Syracuse team, both teams would score more points. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win more games, but you absolutely would score more. There was a tweet, Syracuse should consider more three-guard offense. Well, I don't know about now whether that makes sense, but with Geno Thorpe it did. It, it, that was the point of having Thorpe was a bit of a fail-safe, a chance at a breather for Frank Howard or Tyus Battle, uh, somebody to come off the bench, go out there and make a shot, a little bit of a shot of the arm uh, offensively off the bench, which uh, Coach Beheim has had, you know, historically in uh, any number of people, most notably uh, Deion Waiters. They don't have that now. You know, we'll get to some of the tweets. Oh, Coach never develops the bench. What are you talking about? Who on the bench now do you think is going to go in and make an impact? The answer is nobody. Right, you got three players on the bench. Howard Washington is just not ready to be a primetime ACC performer. 
can he go in on a day? Is it, is there going to be a game where he has five or seven points and and uh, makes an impact? Yeah, there might be a day. I, I don't know how you're going to find that out. If you're watching Syracuse basketball and you think, you know what, they'd be better off with Frank Howard or Tyus Battle on the bench right now, then you're not watching the same game I'm watching. I, I don't know what you're looking at. Same thing with O'Shea Brissett. The guys that get 40 minutes a game are going to continue to get 40 minutes a game because you're not getting better with, with them getting out. Then your other two bench people are Marek Dolajai, who, God love him, is a tremendous uh, instigator. He's just great energy. Plays the game the right way, in the right place, gives you everything he's got. He's 180 pounds. He's getting knocked out of the paint by people. There's just not enough there right now for him to make an impact or for him to be thought of as the answer. And then Barama Sidibe, pretty good player. He's going to be good. He's not 100% in terms of health. He's available for short bursts, if at all. And you're not losing the games really because of Pascal in terms of making that uh, that change or substitution. And Barama's not, he's better offensively than Pascal, but not so much that you're going to put him back to the basket and throw the ball down in there. Uh, I don't see a lot of that happening right now. So uh, I don't know if that's the answer. Jake's point is absolutely superb. You know, yeah, you'd be better if Tyler Lydon didn't go to the NBA. Well, unfortunately, that's not something that can be uh, taken back right now. And until you start paying players a million dollars, which is not going to happen in college, then the NBA is going to be an option that players are going to uh, gravitate toward. And, and Tyler Lydon has taken advantage of his right and opportunity to do that. So that's uh, where this team is right now. It's college basketball. There's no free agency. You're going to have to figure it out as best you can. And right now the Orange are going to struggle against the best teams in the league and certainly against the best defensive teams. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to your Twitter reaction. Phone calls, all fair game at 4ESPN44, 437 You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Protect yourself from the humiliating shame of missing one of our shows. It's as simple as that. Fill your library with our host podcasts and enjoy them as you wish. How does it work? Listen back on iTunes or ESPNSyracuse.com. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio here in Central New York. Brought to you by CH Insurance. And Burdick Toyota, we welcome you into the show. Leo Routens will join us here in a little bit. I haven't talked to Leo uh, in a while and uh, thought we would check in with him just to kind of change the subject a little bit on what he's seeing around uh, his travels in the NBA with uh, some of the Syracuse players that are there. In a couple of cases, guys that have uh, switched teams. I know uh, the Raptors just played the Heat and uh, Deion Waiters, so we'll take a a peek in on that. Joe, you had uh, something here before we get to the before we get to the other f- fans that at least claim to have a clue but might not, you, you at least you don't even have any pretense of having no, a clue. None whatsoever. I don't try to pretend I do. But uh, to your point about the referees, obviously a referee in, in, in any sport doesn't want to be the center of attention. Some do, though. So how odd is it, though, that in one game you'd have a couple officials that have been, in recent times, the center of some controversy? Uh, yeah, it's more or less the luck of the draw. The uh, in Teddy Valentine's case, there's always going to be drama that follows him because he's recognizable. He's been at it a long time. He brings it about himself, and uh, and just 
operates that way. He was the one that, first of all, he did a silly thing in the game. Now nothing is a secret anymore or uh, goes unnoticed. When you turn your back on a player in a game and Jay Billis makes mention of it, then people are going to know about it. And that's what happened in his case. And then he brought it up more by, as way of introduction last night, turned his back on people. He came up and he pirouetted in front of the TV guys and, and laughed. And he did the same with Coach Behan. So that's like become his thing now. Well, that's the exact opposite of downplaying it. So I don't really feel sorry for uh, any activity that uh, Ted Valentine gets. He brings it up upon himself. Is he a good official? I don't know. Uh, it's It's hard for me to tell. I think he's been at it a long time. People who evaluate uh, are, you know, I trust, I know the people that evaluate him. I trust the people that evaluate him. And I think um, they know what they're looking at. The They're looking at some uh, pretty detailed minutia more than uh, fans would even notice and, and, and do a good job. So if he keeps getting gigs, I'll trust the people that are, are giving him the gigs. He's far from the worst official out there because he's uh, been at a high level for a lot of years. Um, but he absolutely goes the, the showman route. The other guy, Doug Sermons, that was more of a, you know, oh, by the way, was involved in this game. Now, he did go out of his way in that particular game from a out of position to make a call that put what, what officials will sometimes refer to as breaking into jail. He could have just as easily said, hey, that's not my area. I'm not making that call. Uh, he did, and it turned out to be uh, the wrong call and potentially hazardous to uh, Syracuse's chances in that game. It just so happened that last night was the the first uh, Syracuse game he'd worked since. Sermons is primarily uh, in SEC circles, but uh, happened to be working the game last night. So a bit of a fluky deal. Brendan and Manlius is next on the phone. Hello, Brendan. Hey, Matt. Good to talk to you. How are things? Uh, good. How are you? Good, thanks. I just, I just, I in fairness, I didn't see any of the Twitter responses last night, but I'm, I'm assuming it was a lot of negativity. I just want to attempt to try to bring some of the negative fans a little bit back down to reality. I mean, first and foremost, this team is playing with a lot of heart. It's one thing to watch a team go out there, not give any effort, get blown out, have no cohesiveness. I don't see it with this team. I think they're playing with energy. I think they obviously are, are young. They're making some young mistakes. But I think I just have to point out, this team is a couple fluky, goofy plays away from having 14 wins. And I think if you were to tell any fan at the beginning of the year, would you take 14-2? and two? Right now, at this point in the season, I think everybody would sign up for that. So I think before we kind of, you know, drink the negative Kool-Aid, I think we need to remember, first of all, this team was pretty close to gutted compared to last year. You lost your starting center at the last minute. You lost a grad transfer that everyone was expecting to contribute. And they're still, I think they're keeping their head above water. We didn't get beat by 30 points. We got beat by, I believe, seven and I don't think people need to give up on this team. I think it's also a joke when people say that Jim Bayheim doesn't develop players. Can't help but laugh when I hear that. But I just think people need to take a look back for a second and realize what's in front of this team, what the results have been, and keep in mind how young they are. And I think that it'll make for a much more enjoyable season for Q's Hoops. Well, Brennan, that was a very composed, uh, rational phone call. That has uh, no place in, in this market. But no... Uh, <laughs> just joking of course but no you're absolutely right and I think what's happened though over the court people were bracing for this year to be dreadful because of all the losses and it's not dreadful because they went out and they beat Maryland and Georgetown and Connecticut it's then you start to lose you know three in a row and it could be four in a row on the weekend let's be honest that happens in in conference play it gets people to 
be aiming for explanations. So I think that's what's what's kind of in the offing here. But I think you're absolutely right that the losses coming into the year have been underestimated. And uh, I think the issues of this team have been exaggerated. They're losing against good teams. Yeah, they, that's going to happen. I, I think there's the opportunity is ahead here for them to make up for some of this. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think that at the end of the year, I, I'm not the kind of person or fan, I should say, that's going to make judgments. You know, we're, what, two, four games into the ACC schedule. Let's see what this team can do. Make your Hold your judgments until the end of the year. I know fans are going to be fans, but, you know, I, again, just to repeat myself, I don't see, this team is not quitting. They're not giving up. You know, this isn't St. John's from a couple of years ago where it was just an absolute disgrace. They could have, I think they should have won the uh, the St. Bonaventure in the Notre Dame game. But, you know, again, it's I'm rooting for this team. I like what I see, and I think that if people stick with this program, I think that they're going to they're going to be pleasantly surprised how this team finishes the year. Good stuff. We appreciate it, uh, Brendan, for the call. And uh, hang in there. Call again, okay? That's uh, Brendan and Manlius. You know, a couple of things, and we'll speed it along because I want to work in uh, Leo Routens. We can come back to, to some of the other stuff. But the, the biggest, you know, and it's hard on Twitter because you don't really know who's who and what their credibility level is and how close they're paying attention. I think some people just want to pop off to have something on there to get a reaction or or what have you. The one that kind of set me off this morning was Bayheim never develops the bench and it costs them in the tournament. Well, those are potentially separate arguments. First of all, you got to get into the tournament. So you play the team that wins games during the regular season to qualify for the tournament. There is no bench on this team. I don't, see any argument for how the composition of minutes or the allocation of minutes should be any different than it is. I think sometimes Sadiba is able to go a little bit more. The game, the minutes are split night to night a little bit differently at the four position. Uh, Dolajai and Moyer uh, based on the hot hand or based on a few different factors. Uh, but the the bench isn't really giving them a lot. They're not losing the game. I mean, obviously it would be helped if the bench was more, but it's not because there's some uh, great wonderkin on the bench that if he was playing would uh, would make things different. Um, not to mention, you know, you look at Syracuse's recent tournament performance. Well, two of the last three years they didn't make the tournament, and the year that they did, they made the Final Four. And when they made the Final Four, the reason they lost was because they ran into a very, very good, much better North Carolina team. It wasn't because they all of a sudden didn't have a bench player that was going to uh, come off and do something great. Virginia got a great uh, surge off the bench last night from a freshman named DeAndre Hunter, uh, forward from Hakeem Warwick's high school in Philadelphia. Well, yeah, if you had a guy like that off the bench, now you might be doing something. Uh, you know, uh, Hunter really has been playing very well for them of late. Last night, uh, 13 points in the first half. He wound up with 15. It's the uh, fourth time in five games where he's scored in double figures. Syracuse doesn't have a player like that. You know, uh, can Howard Washington go out there uh, and maintain for a few minutes? Absolutely. But that's what he is. He's a maintainer. And at this stage in his career, there may be opportunities ahead for for him to do some things. But that that was the number one kind of criticism that I wanted to uh, take on today. If we have a little more time at the back end of the show, we can get into more. When we come back, we'll uh, phone Leo Routens, our friend up north who's been Keeping an eye, of course, on the uh, NBA as the color analyst of the Toronto Raptors. He certainly knows O'Shea Brissett can chime in on the Oranges. Outstanding freshman, and uh, we'll kind of 
Pick the brain of Leo Routens as we continue. That's when we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio up until the top of the hour today. Good to have you with us midweek. Jim Beheim show tomorrow night at Shaughnessy's 7 o'clock. Then we're off to Tallahassee, the Orange and Florida State, Saturday at 2. Back home to face Pittsburgh Tuesday night at uh, 9 o'clock in the Carrier Dome. Leo Routens is well-traveled, and we appreciate the time. We won't uh, waste a lot of it today, Leo. And uh, you and I need to catch up on some stuff off the air, of, of course. But uh, how are things, my friend? I'm great, Matt. I miss you, man. It's been a while. I know, too long. We need to uh, exchange the niceties, and we'll we'll do that. I see you're uh, you're a great follow on Twitter, and and you don't set out to be, you know. But I like your little your your morning kind of message for the day, and uh, good stuff on there, man. I appreciate it. Just try to have a little fun with it, you know. <laughs> That's right. At uh, Leo Routens, if folks want to uh, take advantage, the uh, former Orange great and the father of another, and the uh, Raptors analyst. And I guess you is uh, we'll get into the kind of the NBA stuff a little bit. I thought we'd kind of pick your brain on what you've seen of the Syracuse players in the NBA, but you missed one here last night, huh? Deion Waiters continues to be out with his ankle injury. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. But uh, his team's on a roll. Miami just won five in a row, beat the Raptors last night at the buzzer. And, uh, but you know, obviously Dion, he's a special player and he makes such a big difference when he's, uh, when he's at a hundred percent playing for the heat with everybody else, the way they're going right now, that can make a big difference, uh, in the Eastern conference, uh, that could sneak him into the playoffs and, you know, even give him a, you know, a relatively decent seed. Uh, it's as far as being a five or a six, you know? Sure. You know, use Dion's name here a minute ago on the show, because I don't know how closely you're following this year's team, Leo, but what they don't have is punch off the bench. And, you know, you see NBA teams every night. In the NBA, that's one of the things you you can construct on your team. You want to have somebody that comes, you know, Deion Waiters obviously was the fourth pick in the draft and came off the bench for Syracuse and came in and provided instant offense. It's not something you see on every college team. It's probably easier to uh, to talk about than it is to to create and actually invent. How, how do you How do you find something like that? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and honestly, if you look at the Raptors' success this season, uh, I can directly say, yeah, you've got two all-stars in Ryder Rosen and Kyle Lowry. But if it wasn't for their bench, they would not be where they are. And their their bench is actually very young. Uh, but that depth, the explosiveness, the defense, the ball movement, everything they get from that second unit, uh, if the starters start, start slow, they come in and get it done. If the starters are going well, they keep it. they keep it up. Uh, they've just been huge for the Raptors uh, this season and, and could very well decide what kind of playoffs they have uh, in April. So uh, you're absolutely right. You have to somehow find that. And, and, and that sometimes means you've got to juggle your starting lineup around. Um, and, and this is where I think it, it's harder. Well, I shouldn't say that because players' ego is a big thing. But in college, oftentimes a player doesn't understand that, you know, what's best for the entire team may be you coming off the bench. And a lot of times players look at that as a demotion, uh, which they shouldn't because it's all about uh, the team. And you look at some great players uh, throughout you know, the NBA history that the recognition they've gotten for that role uh, is coming off the bench and being a smart, the spark because ultimately it's how many minutes you're on the floor and being on the floor at the end of the game that matters, not whether you, you start and blow your lungs out in the first five minutes. 
Sure. Leah Routens is our guest. And obviously at the, the NBA, one of the main differences in pro and college, you see so many games. There's such a significant uh, volume of uh, players, plays, of action. That, uh, I think it's interesting to look at how do teams solve their problems, right? Every team in the NBA is going to have a, a three-game losing streak over the course of the season like Syracuse has now, and, and they won't be favored in their next game against uh, Florida State. It could be a, a fourth loss in a row. In your experience, just being around the game, how do you uh, weather the tough times that you can anticipate and, and kind of then maybe take advantage of, of the games that you should when you're playing the second division? Well, I focus on, on, on you know, growing as a team. And, mm-hmm. you know, Syracuse does have a lot of young players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wouldn't dwell on the negative. I think a lot of times uh, coaches and players have a tendency to just get buried in the negative. You know, you start looking at this, looking at that. And at this point in time, lost three games, I'm going to say, okay, look, I want to show you how good we are. I want to show you the good things that we do. I want to show you the, you know, the impact we can have when we do this. I want to turn everything into a positive twist. Obviously, there's going to be things you have to clean up or you wouldn't have lost three games. And you work on those things with the idea that, hey, you know, we're in development. Uh, we're not a finished product. We're going to get it right. Obviously, we got to accelerate the process if we can. But I, I would just try to put a positive twist on everything at this point because, you know, obviously four can lead to five and five can lead to six uh, if you go south with a negative approach. So that's just me. I've always found uh, – and, and I've been in situations, you know, when I coached Canada, we had, uh, we had a very young team. And we had a lot, of, a lot of situations where you could easily just go south because, you know, there, there seemed like there would be no light at the end of the tunnel. And I just tried to put a positive twist on it. And you want to keep the energy up. You want guys to still want to come to practice and, and work hard and have fun. If you take that out of it, uh, then it becomes you know a real tedious task. Yeah, I think there's uh, some applicability to what we talk about in the, the NBA circles to the ACC. The league is so good that it's inevitable you're going to have uh, not only difficult stretches, but uh, periods where you're playing three, four, five good teams in a row or where you might be the underdog. Even if you're an okay team like Syracuse, they're not at the top of the league uh, this year, but they're okay. And uh, that's why I think the uh, mental approach that you just laid out is is kind of an important thing. A couple of uh, quick hitters for you. We are enjoying O'Shea Brissett. We appreciate uh, the uh, Toronto native Mississauga being uh, sent our way. And, and uh, boy, fun player to watch. I think we, we traded texts about him earlier in the season. He, he gives you everything he's got and crushes the boards for a, a guy that's, uh, you know, a f- young player, a freshman. And you forgot a number 11. Come on. That's right. Number 11. That, so. Yeah. Well, I think you made there the you distinction. We, he was diving on the floor that uh, 11 isn't uh, typically getting dirty down here, but, uh, but he is. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously he hasn't learned. Uh, he, he doesn't have the experience yet, so he's making a few mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, you know what? Uh, I tell you, Matt, last year I was doing the BioSteel All-Canadian game, and, and O'Shea was playing in that game. And the first thing I said is if I was a college coach, I would be parked at his doorstep. Uh, I just love what he does. I think his upside is tremendous. But you're talking about a kid at his length, uh, can play all over the floor, uh, and, and he's got a great motor. He gets after it. I mean, that's why he rebounds the ball so well. And, and if you like him now, man, it's just going to get better. Uh, I, I think that he's, uh, he's really got a bright side, uh, you know, regardless of how far he goes uh, uh, as far as the Syracuse career, how many years, who knows, uh, who knows now today. But even, even beyond that, his NBA, he's going to have a long, career 
Yeah, looking forward to see him improve his shot a little bit. And, and uh, once the defense has to honor his uh, shot to any greater degree, uh, he's going to be even better driving and, and uh, certainly crashing the glass. So he's been fun to watch and uh, representing uh, Canada and your neck of the woods uh, very well down here so far, close to averaging a, a double-double halfway through his uh, freshman season. Uh, we want to turn you loose here in the last minute or so. Who else are you, you seeing that we would know as familiar faces? you got the couple of guys uh, together in Oklahoma City with – Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Grant as teammates, and uh, anybody else in your your travels that you've come across? Well, I, I think that's the interesting one. Uh, you know, the Raptors played Oklahoma City right after Christmas, and uh, they actually played very, very well against us. And I, I think it's just it's refreshing to see Melo in a different environment. Um, I, I think he, he can have fun. Uh, really, you know, he, he's kind of, for all intents and purposes, the third guy. Uh, you have Westbrook, you have Paul George, they have youth, they have energy, they have all kinds of things going on their side, and that kind of relegates them to that position, but that's not a bad place to be at this stage of his career. He's also embracing uh, uh, that being the stretch four, uh, taking those shots, stretching the defense out, less uh, less grinding inside. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of enjoying that. I'm happy for him where he doesn't have to wake up every day and read uh, – read all things wrong with him and, and his team. So a uh, very different environment than being in New York. Very good. And, and lastly, uh, what's the latest on Andy? Still in Turkey? Yeah, he's playing for Bambit in Turkey. They uh, they just had a, uh, a big win today in the Champions Cup. He dropped 23. Nice. Uh, played really played really well. So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's grinding it out. He's uh, uh, still going strong. All right, you're the man. We appreciate a few minutes of your time and uh, continued success. We'll keep an eye on you and the Raptors, okay? Sounds great, Matt. Always great to talk to you. Leo Routens, who's uh, one of the best and uh, certainly knows the game and can uh, chime in on a lot of different concepts of the things that we're uh, talking about here. And good for Andy. 23 uh, in his Turkish league. The uh, Raptors flirted with Andy a little bit prior to the the start of the season in training camp and then went back overseas where he's had uh, good success as Leo did. Back with more to uh, wrap the show. Do We Care is next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do We Care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. The quarterback for the University of Georgia might be moving on. Reports say Jacob Eason will likely transfer to Washington. Eason tells one reporter he has not made a decision yet. Eason played only six games this season with the Dogs after being sidelined with a knee injury. And then uh, Fromm took over and was uh, extraordinary. And this makes all the sense in the world. Eason's from uh, Washington State. Washington is an excellent program. They're rolling. They're losing their quarterback. This one a no-brainer. I think the uh, Alabama quarterback situation is even more interesting in that uh, Jalen Hurts won the national championship as a freshman and then was lifted at halftime uh, for Tagovailoa, who won the national championship this year. It'd be hard to imagine him not being the uh, starting quarterback come the fall. He's got a a better overall skill set for Alabama, so uh, Hurts could be on the move as well. And Serena Williams not done with tennis. The 36-year-old new mom tells Vogue she wants more Grand Slams. Williams, who gave birth just four months ago, says she wants to once again be the number one tennis player in the world. I wouldn't count her out. She's obviously determined she was so far and away the best player in the world when she was uh, in her heyday and when she was active. And if she wants to do it and has the determination, more power to her. Thank you, Matt. Uh, do we care brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria Cam's love at first slice all right so that uh, brings to a close this one I think we'll get into more in the next uh, couple of days and certainly get into uh, fan 
input related to the team. A lot of hand-wringing. As I would say, there shouldn't be really any more hand-wringing today because of a loss uh, to Virginia. That happens. Uh, the important thing is that uh, you're going to have to get out of this uh, funk here that the Orange are in offensively. Next up is a, a pretty good Florida State team that plays Louisville uh, this week. And then Syracuse has games they got to win. Pittsburgh, Boston College, that type uh, coming into the Carrier Dome and then Pitt on the road. So we'll keep an eye on all of that one day at a time. Back in the booth tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Thanks to uh, Joe for his help and to you for calling out there in Radio Land. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.